Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody. It is Friday, October 14, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting. Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Happy Friday to us all. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great day. It is a free-for-all Friday. We are on the eve of UFC Vegas 62. The UFC is back after a week away. You know what that means. We are officially eight days away from UFC 280. Eight days away from crowning a new lightweight champion in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Charles Oliveira, Islam Makachev's vacant lightweight title fight, headlines that card, one of the most anticipated fights of the year. And that's the second of two title fights because no one's even really talking about the co-main event between Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw, the former champion. That card is just loaded from start to finish, top to bottom. I can't wait for it. Again, allow me to tease something that I cannot tell you about. It's going down next Saturday. Not just the fight card, but something very exciting with MMAfighting.com in regards to this event. So stay tuned. Hopefully Wednesday, we'll be able to reveal that lovely, lovely information. Now, before we go to the callers for Free For All Friday, a mystery was finally solved. A mystery that we have been pondering on this program For weeks and weeks and weeks, we've had headlines based on this mystery that we've been trying to solve. What is going to be the main event of UFC 282? And you know what's crazy? We still have sort of a mystery because by all indications from everybody that I've spoken with, Yuri Prohashka versus Glover Teixeira is not 100% locked in as the main event for UFC 282. However... If this happens to be the main event, I don't think anybody's going to complain about it because the first fight was one of the most ridiculous fights in UFC history. It was one of the greatest title fights of all time. Was it the most technically, aesthetically pleasing? No, but was it a friggin' fight of all fights? Yes. So many emotional swings, so many momentum swings in that fight. It was wild and crazy. And that one is going down the rematch. UFC 282, December 10th, Las Vegas, Nevada. I don't think that was really a surprise to anybody else. I am surprised that this is officially locked in as the main event, but that doesn't mean that it still can't happen. So hopefully we get some answers. 
And hopefully we get this locked down because we have been talking about it on this program so many times. What's going to headline 282? What's going to headline 283? So many questions to be answered. So before we go to the calls, quick programming note, 3 p.m. Eastern, we have a live preview show once again. UFC Vegas 62. I believe it's myself and the BTL retired Jed Mishu. So that should be a lot of fun. And then I'm going to go check out some MMA, some regional MMA later on tonight. I'm going to head out to Savannah, Georgia and attend Jorge Mazdal's Icon FC card, which I'm pretty excited about. The last card I went to a couple months ago was fantastic. So I have a feeling this will be fun as well. But I'm excited for that. I'm excited to hear your questions. It could be about MMA or whatever the hell you want. So, double A, shockingly, first in line. The dude is just a machine when it comes to this show. What's up, man? I'm good. about TJ versus Sterling, um, I guess me asking questions about it doesn't count, huh? Well, I mean, look, you, I mean, <laughs> one per, I'm sure one or two people are talking about it, but when we talk about like the main storylines of this card, yeah, it's all focused you. on the main event. I'm messing with you. Yeah, I hear you, though. Um, I, well, well played, Double A, well played. So, um, so Luke Rockhold had, a, had an interview, um, I believe it was with MMA Junkie that came out recently, and he made some interesting comments. He said... Like when he lost the belt, the Dana White said he he ain't shit and stuff like this. And um, pardon the language. Um, and that he that when he went and did his modeling gig, um, that he gained leverage back in the USC because of that. I was just wondering to hear your thoughts on that. And um, secondly, um, just your just the potential on this upcoming card. Does it have the potential to be a, ca- a card to succeed? Like past the expectations that the fans have because, you know, it's not a car that's being exactly hyped. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Thank you, sir. Yes, we actually wrote about that interview uh, in our morning report on MMAfighting.com. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing really new from Luke Rockhold. He basically spends his entire final fight week just getting a lot of things off of his chest between his interview on the MMA Hour, his media day scrum, He's diving a little bit deeper into some of that stuff. But yeah, it's his relationship with Dana White has not been a great one. His relationship with the UFC has not been a great one. And the thing for him is it was always about Luke down the stretch. It wasn't always about being the champion. He just wanted to prove to himself that he could still do it. And that fight with Paul Costa was insane. He wasn't doing that for the company. He wasn't doing that for Dana White. He was doing that for Luke Rockhold. And what a way to go out. See, this is how you do a retirement. This is how it's supposed to be done. Now, he didn't win. I get that. But in terms of going out on a high note, pulling a George Costanza, dropping a one-liner, and then leaving the room and leaving people wanting more, Luke Rockhold did that. We were all concerned heading into that fight with Paul Acosta that he was just going to get deaded in the first round. We were nervous. We didn't want to see it. And then they go out and have a blood and guts war and – I left that fight at the end thinking, if he wants to do this again, sign me the hell up. Because that was fun as hell. But he walked away, and I think that was a, that was a pretty good decision on his part. He's going to make a ton of money outside of the cage. And who knows, maybe we'll find Luke Rockhold on the undercard of a Jake, Car- uh, Jake Paul pay-per-view someday. Like, 
fellow middleweight Uriah Hall. You never know. Never say never in this crazy sport of ours. As far as Vegas 62 goes, I listen, this card to me is much better than Vegas 61. Much better. I like this main event more than the Mackenzie Dern Yanjanan main event. The stakes are a little bit higher here, in my opinion. Cole main event's good. Cub Swanson dropping to 135 is very interesting. Of course, weigh-ins are going to be coming up in a little while. Askar Askarov, Brandon Royval, friggin' rules. Dusko Todorovic, Jordan Wright is just going to be, it's like going to be like a cartoon fight where you just see two guys get into a mode where they just attack each other and you're just going to see smoke flying everywhere. And then one dude's just going to fade backwards and then one dude's going to be unconscious on the ground. That's what that fight's going to be like. Misha Serkinov, I have tons of questions about him. Mana Martinez should be a showcase fight against Brandon Davis. Nick Maximoff, Jacob Malkoon will be just a big wrestling fest. Joe Anderson Brito is a fun prospect that I'm very excited about. Pierre Rodriguez is undefeated. She's fun. Tatsura Tyra's back. And we get a freaking Mike Jackson fight. We get Mike the Truth Jackson against Pete Rodriguez kicking things off. But the, the fight that's really... The one that I'm circling the most, that I'm very interested in, is the Victor Henry Rafael Sunso fight. Because Victor, I've been high on Victor Henry for a long time. He should have got a UFC shot a long time ago. This man has more than paid his dues outside of the octagon. He had a fantastic debut against Hayoni Barcelos. And to me, it didn't really surprise me because I know how good Victor Henry can be. But is he UFC top 15 level? I have questions. Was he just that much better than Hyundai Barcelos? Or was this a, I was supposed to fight this guy. Now I get this guy. This is a little different. And then Rafael Asuncio, he hasn't fought in a long time. He's on a four-fight losing streak. But this guy only loses to, like, the top dudes. This dude only loses to the top dudes. So his last five losses were to TJ Dillashaw, Marlon Marais, who at the time was just murking everybody, Corey Sanhagen, Cody Garbrandt, and Ricky Simone. That's a it's kind of a murderer's row. And this was Cody Garbrandt who was like rejuvenated. He looked good. He was a step ahead. He looked extremely focused. We're going to see how good Victor Henry really is. And I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued by Rafael Sunso hasn't fought in 10 months since he got knocked up by Ricky Simone, training at Extreme Couture. It's going to be a good fight. That's the one I'm looking at. So I think this one will exceed expectations. Just, I think we go in, like I go into a lot of these fight night cards, I have to judge a book by its cover in some way because that's what we're supposed to do. But at the same token, I go in kind of with a, just an open mind. Like I went and saw Halloween Ends last night. I wanted to go in with an open mind. I didn't want to read any reviews. I think a lot of you know my feelings on Halloween Kills. I thought it was nostalgic and okay, but I thought the town of Haddonfield was a bunch of morons, and that drove me crazy about the movie. So I went in last night and watched it, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was intense. It was definitely different, but I liked it, and I went in there open-minded, didn't have lofty expectations like I've had for the other ones. So, And that's how I handle these fight night cards. Let's go to Drew. Drew, are you there? You just got to unmute yourself. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you, man. I'm How good, you? man. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm out here in Cleveland, Ohio. Just wanted to uh, 
kind of touch base with, you know, they have Volko being the, you know, he's officially the backup in case, you know, Charles decides to, to not make weight. But what are what are your thoughts on, you know, Charles has a way of, you know, dragging people into deep waters. Is he do you think he's going to be able to do that with Islam? I mean, Islam's just super talented. Sure Charles is a, you know, he's a grappling and jiu-jitsu expert. Is it possible that he's able to submit him in like the third round or something like that? I mean, what are you thinking? This fight is so interesting. It, it's just so interesting because I don't know. Like a lot of people talk about Oliver's guard and, and fighting off of his back. And Islam's not an idiot. And he trains with, I mean, he trains with freaking Habib Nurmagomedov. He trains with Usman Nurmagomedov. He trains with all those guys. I know he's gotten rounds in with Kamara Usman. There's been videos about that. The dude's not an idiot. I don't see a world where Charles Oliveira submits Islam Makachev off of his back. I can see a world where Charles Oliveira just knocks him dead. That I mean, that is that is a possibility. Because we've seen Islam get knocked out before by guys who with much less power than Charles Oliveira has. So the ground exchange will be interesting. And what I'm what I'm curious about is if Islam lands a takedown and Oliveira is squirrely down there, how is Islam gonna be able to handle that? What is his control gonna be on the ground? He's super good at it. But Charles is a very tricky grappler, especially when there's chaos. I mean, he thrives in chaos no matter what. But when there's grappling exchanges and there's different movements going on, it's not just like a straight takedown. Oliver is moving, going from trying to improve to advantageous positions. How is Makachev going to handle that? That's what I'm curious about. Because if Makachev gets him down and just gets on top of Oliver and Oliver just has him in a full guard, gonna be a rough night for Oliveira. like that's gonna be a rough rough night for him because Makachev could do that all day long and he can just land shots and he can avoid any danger but it's when we have the exchanges we have the swings of momentum we have all sorts of chaos on the mat that's what I'm looking forward to maybe Makachev goes for a takedown his momentum swings too far one way or the other and Oliveira is ready for it and could just lock in submissions real quick. But I think this is gonna be decided. I think this is gonna be decided on the feet in a lot of ways. I think that's Oliver's best chance. Now Makachev can strike. Makachev can strike. He's not known for his striking, but he can. He's a very good counter striker. His left hand counters are nasty. They're nasty. And we've seen Oliver get clipped in almost all of his fights. But I still think Oliver is the better striker. He's the more powerful and more polished striker. And I know Makachev's on this big winning streak. He does have a ton of experience. He gets big-time experience in the gym every single day. But he has not faced the caliber of fighter that Charles Oliveira has consistently. He hasn't been in there with Justin Gaethje. He hasn't been in there with Dustin Poirier. He hasn't been in there with Chandler. He hasn't been in there with a lot of these guys. And again, that's not his fault. But regardless of whether it's his fault or not, Oliveira has been in there with those guys, and Makachev has not. So I just can't wait for it. There's so I have so many questions. I have so many questions. I cannot wait for that fight. Let's go to Octagon. Mikey, you're on deck. Good. How are you, sir? Yes, I'm leaving for Abu Dhabi next Wednesday, so I will be there Thursday. Let me tell you one thing about Abu Dhabi. It's favoring all the whole climate, the whole 
environment with all the people from that particular regions are favoring Islam. I want to hear your take. It, it seems that the UFC is setting up something in favoring for Islam and Khabib, his group. Uh, how do you look at this? Thank you and good luck today. Yeah, I mean, Islam is a star over there, just like Habib was a star over there. It was, I mean, it's going to be the same way. Again, you attach Habib to the situation, it makes Islam look more larger than life. And that's what's going to happen here. That's why you have a lot of fighters in that region competing on this card. That's why Bilal Muhammad's on this card. So you're going to get a lot of that. So I don't know if it's like a favorite thing. It's just, again, this is what the UFC has to do. They have a deal in place with this arena with this government they pay them a lot of money to put these cards on and they have to load them up they can't bring Mackenzie Dern Yan Jaonan to Abu Dhabi this is what they have to do they have to load it up and this is the biggest fight they could put on there in my opinion this is gigantic and this is why I feel like Oliveira is kind of in the good graces of the UFC in some ways. Maybe not for this particular fight, but if he goes out there and beats his Makachev, I think the world is kind of his oyster right now. If he wants to go fight Conor McGregor, if that's the fight he wants, the UFC's not going to argue with him, I don't think. Unless McGregor's going to be out for like another whole year. But I really think that if this is what Oliveira wants, if he goes out there and goes to Abu Dhabi and beats this dude and snaps his 10-fight win streak and does it on somewhat enemy territory... The UFC is not really going to have a choice but to give this man what he wants. And it could be Connor. That's the one he keeps yelling about and keeps talking about. Could be somebody else. But it's a big opportunity for, for Oliveira, too. It's an away team thing for him. Makachev's going to be the, the guy that's over. I mean, we saw it with Habib when he fought Dustin Poirier. We saw it with... I mean, more Poirier, not really with Gaethje because that was a different time. But you know what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be the guy that's over. He's going to be the baby face in this situation, 100%. Let's go to Mikey. Good morning to everyone. Um, so just going to try and rattle these off really quick. Um, Glover and Yuri, too. I'm not entirely keen on it. I just wish they need to stop doing immediate rematches, especially when there's definitive finishes. Also, I do, as much as I love that's going to be here in Vegas, it's like, Literally wait one more month and that could have headlined the Brazil card. Okay. Um, hope you have fun at Icon Fights. Uh, a contender series alum, Solomon Renfro was fighting on there. So that should be fun. Um, and again, as I was touching on the other day or last week, it's just with TJ Dillashaw and Aljamain. Like I know we kind of tongue-in-cheekly joked about it not being talked about, but that's the thing. The entire focus of next week's card will be the main event, as it should. And meanwhile, Aljamain Sterling is just there. Like, imagine the luxury of being an Abu Dhabi attendant going like, oh, here's this extra title fight that I don't give a shit about that. It's just going to be on here. When it could have been in Madison Square Garden, would probably would have been probably one of the biggest fights on the card, you know? And um, one more thing. Yesterday, you were talking about the potential of where they could go for UFC Africa. They have to go to South Africa. It has to be in Cape Town. So anyways, that'll be all for me today. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights, guys. Be kind to one another. Thanks, man. I don't understand. Like, how does no one want to see this rematch? I mean, not no one, but how does this not tickle everybody's fancy that they're running this one back? It was such a crazy fight. It wasn't like Yuri knocked him out in the second round. Like, Glover was a minute away. 
Glover's a minute away from retaining his title and pulling off this upset that very few people thought he could. And then he got submitted. He got subbed. It was crazy. I can't wait to see it again. I can't wait to see it again. I don't know if we're going to get... I'm, we're not going to get the same fight, but I still have a lot of the same questions. I still have a lot of the same questions. And now we're going to add what adjustments can be made on top of that. What happens if Glover gets his back again? What kind of adjustments has he made to the defense of Yuri Prohashka? To the survival mode of Yuri Prohashka? To his durability that not a lot of people thought he had on the mat? I can't wait to get the answers to those questions. I don't know what else they're going to add to this card, but it needs some work. Hopefully by next Saturday, we find out whether or not that is the main event. If they got something else up their sleeves, I'm not really sure. The Aljo-TJ fight, again, I really think that by this time next week, we're going to be amped up for that fight. Aljo does such a great job of just sort of saving the hype. I mean, he does interviews and stuff, and you get the quotes, and he's talking shit about TJ and going in there saying, I've, I've already prepared myself for a guy who's quote-unquote on the sauce or whatever. That's cool. But when he gets a microphone in front of his face, when there's press conferences and all that, and those two start going back and forth, I really think that one's going to be the fight that gets amped up the most. I really think that's going to be amped up the most. And if they go to South, South Africa, it's not a bad idea either. I mean, this, that whole region of the world is like wide open right now. And there's a lot of parts of Africa who have like no idea what MMA is. So all you're going to do is just raise the educational value in that region of the world and that's not a bad thing for the UFC at all. So if they go to South Africa, they go to, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Just, just getting there and having UFC Africa on a poster is going to be gigantic. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's 
S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to Zeke. Let's see if we can get him on the first try. We've had a tough time with this, but maybe we can do it this time. Zeke? No way. Got him. One for one on a Friday. Nice. Wade Boggs type numbers. This this means I got to put up a performance and absolutely not botch any names. So here we go. Free for all Friday, Mike. How are we feeling? We're feeling good. We're feeling good. All right. So I kind of want to, you know, add on to what we just had. A nice little conversation about Islam versus Charles. And then I want to take us a little further down that card. I'm going to skip the co-main and talk about Sean O'Malley, Peter Yan. And then I got a little uh, fun one for you. And then I'll leave. First things first, I mean, I you see my hobby, I kind of change it periodically as the fights change. I am um, I'm in on Charles for sure. I just am very, very, very surprised you're still getting a plus number. I mean, if you do look at the betting lines, it's very interesting. They opened Charles is almost like a 2 or $3 dog, and now he's like a plus 140, plus 150 type number. Uh, that has nothing to do with the fight, though. With that being said, I think you're 100% right. I think Islam's going to have a tough time keeping Charles down. If he can keep Charles down, it's going to be tough, man. Like, I mentioned this on the show before. Paul Felder, you know what I mean, ended Charles Oliveira. This is obviously a way different Charles Oliveira, but in his guard with a bunch of elbows, a bunch of strikes, Islam Makachev definitely has a little bit more of a, you know, stronger grappling game than Paul Felder. But with that being said, Charles Oliveira on the feet is a dog. Like, he can 100% catch him, and I think he can catch him early. I think we've seen Islam's chest uh, chin get tested, and I don't think Islam is Khabib. Moving forward, I'm very, very interested to see how Sean O'Malley recovers from the Pedro Munoz. I know it wasn't even like, I think he landed, what, two or three actual significant strikes with his hands. I think he landed 26 of 30 leg strikes thrown. I saw a stat that it was the most leg strikes landed on Sean in his career. If Peter Yan hits him with that many leg strikes the way that Peter throws strikes, Sean ain't going to be walking out of Abu Dhabi. He's going to get wheelchaired out of Abu Dhabi. With that being said, Sean's going to have to start fast. He's going to have to start quick and hopefully get him out of there. If he doesn't do it in the first round, I do not like Sean's chances. I have a really weird handicap and a really weird thought here. I know Abu Dhabi is extremely strict on the uh, the MJ stuff. And with that being said, uh, I'm interested to see if that has an effect on Sean and his performance. And lastly... Dana White's Fuck It Friday content is actually pre-recorded. What a disgrace. Can he do anything right, Mike? Have a have a heck of a week. I I mean, I have the same feelings about the 280 main event. I just I just can't wait to see it. I just can't wait to see it. We could predict we could try to predict all we want, and we're probably all gonna be wrong. And that's what makes this fight so interesting. I agree with you on the O'Malley on fight. I think O'Malley needs to come out. Red hot, he needs to come out strong, needs to come out and set, set a tone because the longer this fight goes, the more it favors Piotr Jan. That's just how that man rolls. And the F it Friday stuff, I don't care. Of course he pre-records them. He's probably got like 12 in the can right now. Have you seen what Dana looks like? He looks, he looks like a third of, his own, of, of the size he was. So, I mean, he's, 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 his life has changed because of this new doctor. So, I mean, he can't. He can't be sitting there cheating every week. He probably has to do like one big cheat run and just changes his shirt five times. Those things are like in the can. Probably just like once a month he goes into the kitchen and eats like six things and has them all in the can. I saw one got like pre-released a little bit early yesterday and then it got deleted. 
apparently he's not going to like this one, but there's, there's, there's stuff that I watch him once in a while. I actually think Dean Thomas's parodies are way funnier and way better. I enjoy those much more, but Dana's got something cooking here with this effort Friday thing. Apparently it's going to be a television show. So who knew that just going to the kitchen, any weird shit can, uh, can get you your own television show. I'm in the wrong business because I'll eat some deep fried Oreos dipped in chocolate chips. I don't know. Kenichi, what's up? Hey, what up, Mike? How are you? Happy Friday. Good. How are you? Good, man. You as well. Um, I had one question. It's uh, related to the welterweight division, but, uh, you know, right now in the top 10, we got these three undefeated guys. We got Hamzat, Shavkat, Rachmanov, and Sean Brady. And uh, so I know Sean's fighting next week with Bilal. A couple months later, we got Shavkat and Jeff Neal. And, I, you know, I think between the three, uh, Hamzat's kind of distanced himself in terms of, like, stardom, you know, got a bigger fan base, you know, getting bigger fights. So kind of want to separate him of the three, but... I guess my question is, if Sean wins next weekend and Shavkat wins in January, you know, we're kind of, they're creeping in the top five, and I feel like guys ahead of him or guys ahead of those two guys are not too intrigued with those fights, like high risk, low reward in terms of like, you know, a big like fan name or fan, um, sorry, man, fan base. But uh, so you think it's time these two get matched up together if they both get wins? Um Kind of like a Tsuruki on Gamrot type situation, but yeah, just wanted to see what you thought. Thanks, man. Have a good weekend. I think if Sean Brady loses to Blah Muhammad and Shafkat beats Jeff Neal, that's the fight to make. I think Shafkat will probably fight the loser of that fight. That's what I think. If Blah wins, I mean, he's just in such a weird spot now that Leon Edwards won the title because he doesn't really have. A, a leg to stand on really he's a great social media follow he's a good fighter he's winning and he's winning dominantly but he's not like he's there's no there's not a lot of Bilal Muhammad highlight reels no one like there there is I don't know it's just it, he's just an interesting guy like a, he's he's very Leon Edwards-esque in a lot of ways where He's going to have to win a bunch of fights in order to get that title shot. He can call for it all he wants, but it's just not going to happen. And it's unfair because if Bilal Muhammad is in Bellator, he'd probably be fighting for the belt now. But they're in the UFC, and it's a, this is a pay-per-view selling business. And we got to draw. we got to sell pay-per-views. Now, eventually, Bilal could get there. I don't think he's going to beat Sean Brady. I think what Bilal does very well, Sean does better. The one thing Bilal does have that could make this fight really interesting is he puts on a pace. And we've seen Sean Brady get tired. Sean Brady likes to finish dudes. And if he can't get him out of there, he can struggle a little bit with that, with that cardio. Now, I'm sure Sean has addressed that. Sean also got some nose surgery, got some things fixed up. Curious to see how that translates in this fight. If this is a five-round fight, I would favor Bilal. I would favor Bilal in a five-round fight. But this is a three-round fight. And I think Sean can get, a, can get a good enough lead and hold on here. Because Sean can grapple better than Bilal Muhammad can. He's bigger than Bilal, stronger than Bilal. I don't know if he's, he's very athletic, but athleticism, they're pretty even. It's a good fight. 
it's the fight that should have been made. I think Sean gets much more of a rub with the win than Bilal does. But Bilal is in that tight is in that situation where he just can't lose. He can't lose. If he loses, he drops way back. While Brady loses, I think he still has a tight. I think he could still get back. It's just a weird type of situation. Because you're right. I think Brady's following has gotten a little bit bigger. And I think people are starting to get on board a little bit more. But it's an interesting fight. Now, Bilal goes in there and blows the doors off Sean Brady and finishes him. We might be having a different conversation right now. But I don't. I, I think if there's a finish, it's coming from Brady. But I, all in all, like if I had a bet on it, whether this fight goes to the decision or goes or doesn't, it's good. I have a feeling it goes to the decision. And I think Brady fans and Brady betters are going to sweat in that third round. But it's just what happens in the first two. How dominant can Brady be? Can you sneak a 10 eight, 10 eight in there? Who knows? Don, what's, what's going up, on, Mike? Hope everything's good. Heck of a morning. Too sweet day. All that jazz. I'm going to hit you with the wrestling question, but later. I actually got some MMA stuff to talk about. So Aljo's fighting. First of all, I'm a big Aljo, Mark. I'm, I'm actually Jamaican-American myself, so seeing him win, seeing people like Leon win, it's a great thing. My father immigrated over here from Jamaica, and that man had a tough time, but he's strong, you know what I mean? Uh, what did you feel? How did you feel about um, that video of uh, Peter Young basically getting little broed by uh, Aljo, like walking up on him, like, hey, how you doing, Aljo? Like, basically giving him the respect that he deserves. Um, I thought that whole situation was, was just crazy how people still ain't giving Aljo his respect after he basically sat that man down, tucked the seatbelt in him, and was just hitting him in his head for, like, two straight rounds. I don't understand that. But also, um, Aljo's been hitting that going up to 155, I mean, uh, 145 and going up because, um, you know, he don't want to fight Marab and all that type of stuff. Who do you think is a good first fight for him in the new uh, weight division? And now the wrestling question, we're talking tag teams, man. I need to know your top three. It can be from any era. I know you you kind of old head because you start talking about Roddy Piper as the best heel. And I was like, you know, I'm 26. So I was like, mm, I don't know about that, bud. But, you know, we different eras, man. But, hey, man, have a good uh, good week. You know what I mean? Heck of a morning, all that jazz. Too sweet day. And keep sipping on that Dunkin'. All right? Peace. Thanks, man. Jeez. Best fight for Aljo, 145? Uh I don't know. I don't really like – I don't like that idea, honestly. I mean, Bryce Mitchell would be interesting because now we found out he doesn't have an opponent. That – with uh, my man CeCe Legaspi broke that news last night. Uh, I don't know why. Like, I, I, I know we talked about it on the show before that, you know, there's a report that he had an injury in training and what I what – I, talk to people close to the situation. They said that the, the reports are true. There was an injury, but it wasn't going to be to the point where he was, wasn't going to be able to fight. They said he was going to be fine and come to find out that is not the case. So no clue what's going to happen. I know CC reported that Ilya Taporio wants to step in. That'd be cool. But if you're Bryce Mitchell, do you want that? Do you want to change it up like that? Totally different opponent. Less than a month away. I don't know. I'd love to see that fight, though. I'd love to see that fight. Aljo, I don't know. I don't know if I like this 145 idea. But we'll see. We'll see if that if that comes to fruition. Because Marab's not getting a title shot right now. Just throwing that out there. Marab needs another win, maybe two, before that happens. So that's we could table that conversation. And that's cool that you know you 
taking something away from Aljo and Leon winning the titles with your dad. That's a very cool story. As far as tag, best tag teams, I mean, it's hard to deny the Road Warriors, just what they did. I didn't think they were the greatest workers, but they were just so over. Let's see. I mean, Demolition was great. How could you not like them? I'll tell you, I'll give you, I don't know if this is the third one, but I'll give you like my underrated favorite tag team of all time. This is an old school one, early 90s. Paul, Roma, Hercules, power and glory, baby. Power and glory. That's what's up. They should have, they should have got a run with the belts. They should have been so much more over than they were. Let's go to Yeah Yeah. What's up, Big Mike? Happy Friday, man. What's going on? So much the question. Um, you know, I've been kind of going back and forth with people about, you know, this Aljo and Dillashaw fight. Um, and in terms of whether he deserves this title shot or, you know, because of his passage of the juicing and all that stuff. So do you feel like it makes sense to give someone else um, who's more deserving, like Vera or something, more of a title shot um, than anything? Appreciate it, Mike. Okay, so this is this is easy because, I mean, right now, Right now, as the division currently stands, Tron, you're on deck, by the way. Right now, as it currently stands, it should be TJ. It should be TJ. It's the biggest fight you can make in this division right now. However, they screwed the pooch. They screwed the pooch of this whole thing because Jose Aldo should have been fighting for the title. This should have been Jose Aldo's title shot. But instead, they give Jose Aldo to Marab Dewalish Willie in altitude, for Christ's sake. And he loses, and then he retires, and now we're never going to see him fight for the belt again. So stupid. It should have been Jose Aldo. What a story that would have been. But alas, that's not what happened, and this is where we're at right now. So with it, with the current state of the division... TJ's the fight to make. I'm fine with that. It was, it was to me, it was a two horse race by the time this is booked. It was either you give Jose Aldo the title shot or you have Aldo and Dillashaw fight each other for like who's the straight number one contender. And that's, I mean, that's really it. It was just a two horse race. Now, what happens after this is going to be interesting because if Piotr Jan wins and Aljamain Sterling wins, to me, I would give it to, Mar- I would give it to Marlon Vera. I would give him the next title shot. But if you want to do Marlon Vera versus Corey Sanhagen before that, fine. I don't have any issue with that. Of course, if Sean O'Malley wins, then he's getting the title fight anyways. But this division's really fun and interesting right now. That's for sure. There's a, a lot of a lot of players right now. Tron, what's up, buddy? Happy Friday. Hey, how we doing? Just uh... Good, how are you? Good, good. I just had a couple of little uh, things with uh, uh, kind of thinking, you know, with the judges. I don't know if these are going to be, you know, local judges or judges brought up from the U.S., but, you know, with the hometown treatment, I mean, it definitely favors guys like Makachev and, you know, Muhammad for sure in that area. And, I, you know, if it's not, I mean, you know, or maybe we get one of those guys. Maybe you're looking at split decisions all night. I don't know. You know, I, you know, if if Islam hits a late takedown in a round, I mean, 
with a hometown judge, you'd have to think he, he wins that round, despite how the rest of it went. And uh, also, as long as we're throwing out, like, stupid UFC shows, I always had the thought, why don't we do the, the ultimate Fisher and have, like, Clay Guida versus uh, Bryce Mitchell throwing dynamite in the lake, seeing who gets the, the biggest catfish or whatever. So, yeah, that's all. Uh, yeah, if you have any idea about the judges or anything like that, uh, that was really the big question. So, thanks. Thanks, man. Um, so the last couple of cards, let me let me just pull this up real quick. So UFC. Okay, that's what we're looking for. I'm, I forgot the we got we got landscapers outside. So excuse me. Hashtag town townhouse living. They just come random times on Fridays. So UFC 242, which was the Habib versus Dustin Poirier card, there was a mix between the judges' names that you hear all the time and some local judges. UFC 254, there weren't a ton of decisions on that card, but a lot of the names that you know, Letha B, Cleary, D'Amato, Cartledge, those guys, 267, it was kind of a mix and match. A couple, a couple locals, it looks like. A couple of names that I don't recognize, so I don't know if they're local or not. But there weren't really like a ton of weird decisions. Most people were on the same page. Jan Sanhagen, all three judges scored it the same. Volkov, Tybura, they're 230-27s and a 29-28. Ankalaev, Ozdemir, 230-27s, 29-28. Hibas, Jandaroba, all three judges scored it the same. Tukagov, Ramos, all three judges scored it the same. Duraev, Kapilov, 30-27, 229-27s. Uh, Zaleski, Dos Santos, Santini, all three judges scored it 29-26. And then Ulan Bekov, Nascimento was a split decision, the only one on the card. A uh, couple 29-28s, and then Ben Cartledge, who is now licensed in Vegas, uh, scored that for Nascimento. So, I mean, I don't think the judging is going to play a big factor more than it more than it typically does, if that makes sense. We might get some screwy decisions, but I don't think it's going to be like hometown cooking type decisions. I just think it's just the same judges making shitty scorecards. We'll go to Toke, then we'll go to Brian, and then we'll go to Viking. Toke, what's up? Um, so um, I don't know if you've had any any talk beforehand about who to watch on this Icon FC card. So I was just wondering if you could say some of the names that we should be looking out for. And then I just want to wish you, you know, a, a less tumultuous time this time in Savannah. Um, so you don't have to rush to a electronic store and whatever. So. And what's the, okay, the other thing is, which question is the most important for you to get answered by uh, Jorge Masvidal in case you get him today? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have to deal with all of that, which is nice. Uh, we have new working equipment, new XLR, so hopefully we won't have any issues if, if I do get the chance to talk to him. Uh, I was told a very strong shouldn't be a problem. So stay tuned to that. Uh, hopefully we get it 
we get it done. And uh, I'm looking at the card right now. Uh, Malcolm Wellmaker is is fun. Was he on? The, he was on the last card. Yeah, Malcolm Wellmaker had like the best finish of the August card that I was at. I think we actually did. Um, I think we actually did like a video highlight post on that knockout because that was freaking nasty. That was the first main card fight. Solomon Renfro, obviously very high on. I, w- I actually wouldn't have hated if he got a contract with this contender series loss, so he's always good. Michael, he's fighting Michael Irizarry, who hasn't fought in a little while since June of 2021. And guess who he fought in his most recent fight? Terrence McKitty and got knocked out in the first round. This guy's good. This is going to be a good fight. I saw some video of their of their weigh-ins and things got a little heated. Things got a little heated. Oh, is this the dude? Is this the guy? Yeah, that's the guy. Here's the name. Here's the name I'll throw out there. This is this is the one because I forgot he's fighting on this card. Torres Finney. Torres Finney. That's the one. This dude is a friggin' tank. He's a middleweight, but he he's like he's a 23 year old guy who reminds me of Yoel Romero, but like a very green Yoel Romero. Like if Yoel Romero was 23 years old and found MMA, this is who this kid reminds me of. It's insane. So yes, he's the guy. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Oh, no, we got some breaking news. Got some breaking news. I just confirmed it. That's why I was talking so slowly and sadly. Just confirmed via multiple sources that the fight between Brandon Royval and Askar Askarov is no more. It is not happening. Uh, reason still unknown, but it is off. I'm trying to find out reasons why, but very sad news. The fight of the card no longer, and it hurts my feelings. To the bone. So sorry to uh, put a downer on this. But yes, that fight is no longer happening. Let's go to Viking. Maybe Viking can cheer us all up because the best fight of the card is off. Hello, Viking. 
Cheer us up. Give us some good news. Give us something. Something good. Make us happy. I can't give you a good news, but I'm going to ask you a contradictory question because I'm going to ask about Francis Ngannou and UFC supporting Islam. So, uh, we all have seen some pretty extremely close decisions. Uh, some of them are some of them are literally robbery, you could say. And if we are if we are talking about judging and judges, since I have been watching UFC. I have seen three decisions which are Francis and Ganu just holding Sirin Gan after takedown and did nothing and got the W and then Marab did the same thing and got the W with Aldo and Caitlin Vera got the W for holding homes for the longest time. So my question is Mike uh, about the main event of the UFC 280. What if this fight ends up with uh, close decisions. I mean, I'm saying UFC is kind of getting behind Makachev openly. Mm. So do you think they will even hesitate to give a decision to Makachev? And one other thing that please just don't say that no one called, no one called out Makachev. Because Guram Kudrulaji called out uh, Makachev after the Gamrot fight and he did not respond. So please... Thank you, Mike. Thank you, sir. Um, so with the judge, like the judges aren't going to be like, you know what? The UFC wants this guy to win. So we're going to, we're going to score for him. I- I'm not concerned about that. I'm not concerned about that. I don't have a, I'm not concerned about local judges, hometown cooking. I'm not, I'm not. Nothing like the concerns are exactly the same as they are for every card when it comes to the judging. Exactly the same. Now, if this is a controversial decision, it's just gonna it's gonna be the same uproar that we always get. People are gonna say on Twitter that it's hometown cooking, and it's just not gonna be true. It just could be bad judging, could be one of those fights where it's not a robbery. And most of these fights that we're talking about are not robberies. Now, with the Francis fight, I like I, I think it was universally scored for Francis for the most part. Because while damage is the top priority when it comes to criteria, if the in, the only thing that happens in a round is Francis taking you down and being on top of you, that wins you the round. When that was a very smart game plan, because Francis one was on one leg, and two, Sierra Gan was lighting his ass up on the feet. Because he's just such a dynamic striker, while Francis is just a powerhouse and just needs the one shot to put your ass out. So I had no issue with that decision at all. I have no issue with the Aldo decision. Jed Bichu still scores it for for Jose Aldo, but not I, I scored it for Marab. I scored it for Marab. I gave Aldo the first round. I thought 30-27 was a horrible scorecard. I thought Aldo won the first. Second's real close. And the third was clearly Marab. But there was a month, like very, very little happened in that second round. Like nothing happened. Like nothing at all. Go back and watch that fight. It's not great. That second round is bad. 
It's a bad round. Like, literally nothing happens. Aldo's not throwing. Marab's just holding him against the fence. You got to give the round to Marab because he's actually, like, like, nothing's happening. Like, Jed makes a great point. He said that the right, the right scorecard for that fight was a draw because literally nothing happened in the second round. Nothing. So, yeah, I, it's not a robbery. Just It's just one of those fights that, to me, one fighter clearly won the first. One fighter clearly won the third. And the second, nothing happened. So, there you go. That's where we're at. So I'm not I'm not concerned about the home cooking. I'm not. Let's go to James. What's up? Hey, buddy? Not much, Mike. I'm still a little sad by your breaking news. There goes uh, one of my three money makers because flyweight unders always hit. It's a guarantee. And uh, I kind of want to play a fun little game with you, uh, kind of a love, marry, kill type situation. But with the last three uh, pay-per-views of the year, um, one pay-per-view, you can watch the whole card. The other one, you can only watch the prelims. And the last one, you can't watch any of it. In fact, you can't know the results for 48 hours. Curious to hear which ones you pick. And uh, good luck to your Patriots on Sunday against the Browns. Thanks, buddy, and have a heck of a weekend. Hey, can, can, you, can you repeat that one more time? I'm trying to – I'm doing multiple things. Say it again. I'm focused now, I promise. On the on the three uh, – Yeah, the three things. Oh, um on one pay-per-view, you can watch the whole card. The other one, just the prelims. And the third one, you can't watch any of it. In fact, you can't know the results for 48 hours. Between what? 280, 281, 282? Uh, the last three I mean, I just don't know what 282 looks like right now, really. So I'm definitely watching all of 280. I'll watch the prelims of 281 and 282. I'll just skip. But we also don't know what, what that is. So uh, per Brand Royval's Twitter, by the way, uh, woke up at 127. Before I started the weight cut, I heard my opponent's not going to make weight. They turned down a catch weight. So it looks like the fight is off. Heartbroken, but thank you. Shouts out his nutritionist. We stay professional on our end. And this is one of my big concerns because Askar Askarov has missed weight before. And this is why he never this is why he didn't get a title shot. This is why he had to fight Car Car France, because he he keeps missing weight. This is bad. This is bad. He should he should be have he should have to fight at 135 now. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Once cool. But twice, especially in a fight that a lot of people thought was, I don't know if it was a number one contender fight, but it was in the conversation. The winner was probably going to get a number one contender fight at worst. And then you miss weight. Man, that's bad. I mean, there's two sides to every story. We haven't heard from Askarov yet, but Brandon's not a liar. I can tell you that right now. He doesn't. And I've talked to people who confirmed that the fight's off as well, so. That sucks. Tanner, hello. Yo, what's up, Mike? Good morning. How are you? Good, dude. So uh, I want you to put your salesman hat on for a minute. So Saturday, I'm going to be at the UT Alabama game, Go Big Orange. Um, 
best year we've had in a long time. But so after I get home from the game, this UFC card is going to probably be on. And I'm going to have two choices. Go to bed after a long day at the game or watch this card. And especially now, since Askarov, Roy Valfight is off, which was my main selling point, can you give me a good reason to stay up and watch this card rather than go to sleep? Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. What time are you going to get home? Uh, probably that evening. But, I mean, if I'm too late, I usually just watch it uh, on replay and don't look at Twitter for spoilers or anything. So, but this doesn't feel like the type of card that I need to do that with. So, Well, what I will tell you is um, do what you feel is right. And if you don't want to watch, uh, go to MMAfighting.com and we'll tell you what's happening. But yeah, that that losing that fight just sucks. <laughs> it sucks so bad losing that fight. But Jonathan Martinez, Cub Swanson's a good fight. Main event's got some stakes. Interesting matchup. We'll see what takes that main card spot. But man, that sucks. That hurts. All right, I can take a few more. I got to be done in like six minutes because my kid's got a half day today. So I have to go get him at school. And then uh, I am I am on weigh-in duty today. So Brad, what's up? Hey, doing, buddy? Yeah, I actually uh, I uh, came on the other day talking, asking about uh, John Jones and what that whole situation was. There was a rumor that swirled yesterday that he's fighting at 282. Any news or validity to that? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said yesterday on the show, um, the UFC is is trying is pushed. They're, they're, it's a last ditch effort. They're they're making a push to try to get him on the card. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I can tell you that they're trying one last time to see if it's possible. I don't know if it's against Stipe, maybe Francis, but I just don't see a world where Francis is going to be able to fight in December after that injury. I just don't think it's po- physically possible. But who knows? He's a uh, he's not really a human being. He's a monster in the best possible way. So maybe he healed super quick. But I mean, I don't want to see Francis fight John Jones when he's not at his absolute best. So maybe they do the steep effect. I don't know. Who the hell knows? But I know they are giving one last one last push to see if they can get something done, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen. Let's go to Paradise. Then we'll go to John, then we'll go to Tristan. Paradise, what's up? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Good morning. Morning. All right, so 282. I wasn't even going to say this part, but just because I'm in Vegas and I heard this about a week and a half ago, 100% it would be DC, It would be uh, Stipe and John Jones, which is this Goat, goat stuff, amazing. Um, now the chances of that happening just because John Jones is involved, God only knows. But Francis ain't going to be ready. That's a fact. You're 100% on that. Um, but I, my, my point of uh, what I wanted to talk about is you look at this card for 280 in Abu Dhabi. I mean, I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous this card's not in Vegas. I mean, this is uh, – I mean, the main, the main card is just absolutely stacked, and I, and I have a feeling – you're gonna see Abu Dhabi get more and more of these uh, of these huge cards and these events. I mean, this this fight starts the prelim start at 7 a.m. in Vegas <laughs> to put this kind of card on in that market with them being prime time. I got a feeling you're gonna see it. It scares me because I love going to all the events in Vegas. We usually get the best ones, um, but 
I have a feeling you're going to see that in the future. And since we're Vegas born, we got we got to acknowledge that you got a real big potential on 280 for a lot of dogs coming in on that main card, man. It's going to be a good one. Yes. You can listen to uh, to No Bets Bar. Great podcast on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network for all of your gambling needs. And yeah, listen, the, the UFC has a deal in place with Abu Dhabi. They're going to bring – this is what these cards are going to look like from now on. We're going to have loaded cards top to bottom. We're going to have two title fights. It's going to be a very big deal. And the, that's why the UFC is killing it right now. They have a lot of these deals in place, and it's gigantic. But yeah, I'm with you. This is this is not going to be uh, this is not going to be a one time thing. This will be this this will be the norm moving forward. John, hello. Oh, what's up, guys? I was just uh, I want to fight Rampage Jackson. I want to do that. Why? But just because you bought my same body build. Uh, good fighter. You just want to fight? No, no, you just want. I just want to do it for like I got to buy my fiance a wedding ring. So she wants a nice one, so. I, and the reward money on that, you know. All right. All right. Hey, listen. You gotta shoot for the stars, my man. Shoot for the stars. I mean, you want to get in there with Rampage? Have at it, my man. I, I, I support your journey. Call him out. See what he says. Tristan, yeah, real up? quick. Um, just want to discuss a little bit of what Aspen Ladd had spoke to Ariel Hawani on you know going moving on to the PFL. Um and and she couldn't make weight to 135. Um, it just, the way she, her tone in the voice and the way she was speaking about everything, it just confirms that they got to shut this featherweight division down now. Um, my my thing is, do you feel like Amanda Nunes is just going to have to be like, listen, we got to shut, just shut it down? Because I don't think it's fair that, like, like, oh, I'm going to fight somebody that has, like, two wins, three wins, that barely there's any featherweight featherweights in the division like any fighters in that division Aspilab's like probably could have been one of the few but I mean that it was just absolutely just ridiculous this whole situation so you feel Amanda's just gonna have to be like listen shut it down just shut it down or even Dana White be like yo there's no point for us to keep this open like just shut it down especially just hearing what Aspen Ladd said of her exit out of the UFC of the whole situation thanks Mike's and have a happy morning no, they're not going to shut it down. They're not going to shut it down until Nunes is done. Then they'll shut it down. They want the visual of her with two titles. That's what they want. They want to paint her with that picture that she's the two-division champion. So, no, they're not going to shut it down until she walks away. And maybe they'll make one last effort at, at Kayla, and if Kayla comes over, they'll maybe they'll do something else. But, yeah, it's just there so Amanda has two belts. So they can call her the two-division champion. Other than that, that's it. And then they can sprinkle in the occasional featherweight fight if they have to, just to fill a spot. But that's what this division is. We'll go to Ahid, then we'll go to Naomi, and then we got to get out of here. Ahid, hello. So two points. One is Victor Henry fights tomorrow against Rafael Asansal, legit prospect in the bantamweight division. I interviewed him before. He was very articulate. Josh, he trained Josh Barnett, catch wrestling. So he's one to watch. And lastly, 
Mike, John, I'm predicting this now. I'm very serious. UFC 280, Abu Dhabi, they're going to release a promo like they did for UFC 200. It'll be John Jones, Stipe Miocic at UFC 282. And the main reason is because Brett Okamoto, he usually says uh, uh, this fight is the main event. This fight's the main event. He never said it with Yuri and Glover. And they've done it before. Heavyweight title is the main event, co-main event, light heavyweight title. Remember UFC 220. So, yeah, John Jones, Stipe, UFC 282, I'm calling it. They are sitting on it. I, I truly believe that. Drop the mic, Mike. Um, I don't know if that's true. Like I said, they're making a push to get John on that card. How far it gets, I don't know. It is very difficult. Landscapers are killing me right now. It's very difficult to get John and Stipe on the same page, especially with the fight that's less than two months away. So... I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. But if they can pull it off, I mean, no one's going to complain. All right, AOE. What you got, man? How are you? Just got on mute. Oh, there we go. Sorry. How's it going, Mike? It's, I'm going. It's going well, my man. How are you? Good. good. Uh, first time on the show, so it's pretty cool. But uh, I just have one question. So I've been thinking about this a little bit. Um, obviously, at BTL, you always have. Uh, you know, most mostly the uh, the uh, MMA fighting staff on, and then every now and again you have fighters on. Would you ever consider having uh, like fans on or something like that? Um, and uh, I'm pretty stoked because uh, UFC Orlando's coming up. That's going to be my first UFC event. I'm going to live, so super stoked about that. But uh, that's it for me. Thanks. Nice man. Yeah, that should be that should be a fun one. I don't know. I I, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think I'm going to have fans on BTL. It's just, it's just too unpredictable. I like to, I, I thrive in chaos. I'm cool with it, but I like to have some semblance of control and know who I'm dealing with. And even when you have fighters on, you don't really know. Uh, but I will say this. I want to do something sometime in 2023 there will be some kind of a show on MMA fighting that will involve fan participate for participation, not just from like a voting on a poll standpoint, but like being involved. What I want to do is a game. I want to do like a MMA game show with fans involved. That's what I want. I have an idea of what I want to do, but it's just how to execute it in the best possible way. So I'm trying to – It's to say that we're close to this happening would be a lie, but it is something that I have thought about. It is something that I have brought forth to the powers that be. Now it's just a matter of, of executing, but right now it's just too crazy. We have like all this other stuff coming up. We have what we're going to do next Saturday that we haven't even announced yet. So it's something that's probably going to be put on the back burner for the time being, but yeah. I want to do something with the fans involved that they could participate in. Yes. All right. We have time for Brett. Brett, my man, how are you? Are we going to see the UFC come to Boston? Hey, Mike, have a heck of a weekend. Love you, kid. Thanks, buddy. Yes. I don't know when. I would say we will. the UFC will be in Boston in 2023. They've been trying. 
they've been trying. That San Diego, that UFC San Diego car was supposed to be UFC Boston. So yeah, they're trying. They're trying to get there. It's just they haven't been able to get it done yet. But it's not happening yet. But all right, I gotta go. Weigh-ins are about to kick off. And that's that. So follow along at MAFighting.com. I'm going to pick up the, the little man at school in like a half an hour. And I got to produce and get this thing up in the podcasting network. So preview show, 3 p.m. Eastern, MAFighting.com YouTube channel. Join us live. We'll have some fun tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be 3.30 Eastern or if the card's gonna, start time is going to get pushed back a little bit because of losing another fight potentially so we'll let you know just know that 30 minutes before the broadcast starts we'll have the people's pre-fight show where we just answer your questions the entire time and then we'll watch the card together and then we'll post fight show afterwards on to the next one on sunday so busy weekend at always as always here for mafunny.com so enjoy the rest of your friday everybody love you very much have a heck of a morning Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.